the reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 11, the last verse of chapter 11, and then um, up to verse 9 of, of chapter 12. Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai and his his son Abram's wife, and they went together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. And now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in all the families, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the um, oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on by stages towards the uh, Negev. The second reading comes from Hebrews. And it's Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10. By faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Then we move on to verse 12. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land they had left behind them, 
they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord. Very good morning, Chul. Shall we pray together? Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your holy word. Thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray you'd enliven us this morning, cause our lives to be blessed, and in your mercy enable us to glorify Christ through all we do, and in whose name we pray. Amen. If I might just be uh, vicary for a moment before I get on with the task of preaching, I'm conscious there are a few uh, unfamiliar faces to me here this morning, and it's lovely to see you. What vicar wouldn't want to say that in a Church of England church? I've been here two and a half years. It's a very, very good place to be, and I'm glad you felt able to join us this morning. Really good to have your company. We make it our habit to look at the Bible each week and think particularly about what it's saying to each one of us personally. And now back on script, I was planning to say this, uh, I wonder if you are facing some life decisions. I don't mean the itty-bitty ones, getting out of bed early or what time to get out of bed, what you have for breakfast or not. I suppose going to church or not, I would say, is a big question. But, well, who are you going to marry? When do you retire? Where do you want to go on holiday? Uh, should we be moving house? I wonder, are you facing decisions? How forgiving to be with someone whether to talk to someone, whether to avoid someone. What decisions are you facing internally, perhaps that you're just thinking about yourself? What decisions are you discussing around the breakfast table? I'm sure you've got the drift. I hope our study on Abraham this morning might help you make a good choice. Back in the day, not back in the day a few years ago, back in the day a long few years ago, it used to be DV, if the Lord wills. It struck me that that thought is very much a reactive thing. That's to say, well, I'm planning to do this. But if the Lord wills, then we'll see how that goes. The decision today that we're reflecting on, that might be on your mind, I don't want to pry, is an active thing. You're not going to chance it. You're not going to say, well, well, let's see how this goes. I hope, quite sincerely, that our studies on Abraham today might help you make what I would call a, a God decision or, or a good decision. And maybe before I get into the text of, of Genesis chapter 12, an inadvertent or accidental decision that came my way, albeit to be self-reflective, it is a pretty crass way to think. But, but there you go. For two or three times a year, I occasionally treat myself to my favourite nuts. Almonds. I've known to be sinful and shameful and quaff the whole lot, but let's move on. Just a few at a time strikes me as a really good thing to do on a walk. They're not as sweet and as expensive as cashews. They're not as 
boring and good for you as walnuts. They're somewhere in the middle. Where's the vicar going with this? Well, the vicar keeps dogs. And the dog biscuit of choice to get them to behave themselves, pound, knowing me, it's gone up pound 20p for thousands of them in a little green box from Sainsbury's. And this normally gets them to do as they're told. But when you're puppy training, you have to do what's known as high-value treats. Now, these are expensive, really expensive. And they smell really disgusting, which is why the dogs run miles for them as soon as they see them. With the cheap ones, they say, oh, I might as well do this. With the really expensive ones, vroom! So on the walk, I'd forgotten I wasn't going to eat an almond. I had to, oh, I've still got some almonds left. The high-value dog treat went straight in the vicar's mouth. I tell you, (laughs) if you're feeling slightly queasy and sick at this moment, the job's been done. It really was disgusting. And of course, the way I eat almonds is I just bite straight in. You can't really savour an almond in your mouth, can you? So that's it, this high-value, disgusting-smelling dog treat got crunched, oh my goodness, out it all came. In your decision making, make sure it's God food, not the junk, crass dog food that you live off. That's the link. Sorry, it's going to stay with you. hope it doesn't repeat on you over Sunday lunch. Spoil your Yorkshire puddings and your roast beef and your horseradish and all the rest of it. Abraham does figure in the whole of the Bible. We meet him now at the start of Genesis chapter 12. There's a genealogy going on here because through the whole of the Old Testament, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. And in the genealogy of how things are with God, this is not a lineage, a genetic genetic genealogy, It's a spiritual genealogy, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Jesus Christ, the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. And those of you here today that would say, I've been called by God out of choice, not accident, to know God as Father, then you are sons and daughters, as the great action song goes of Father Abraham. There is a very, very important genealogy. We're on holy ground here with Abraham. A son and a daughter of Jesus. Probably the most important question or decision that you've made, choosing Christ. Reflect on that. That's who you are. A son or a daughter of the King part of Abraham's family. If there's a genealogy, slightly complicated, we won't dwell on this too long, there's also a typology that Paul uses of Abraham. He dominates a lot of the think of the Old Testament. And then when it comes to the New Testament, we need to see Abraham as a type. The easiest way to get your minds around this is to think of how Paul uses Adam in the first part of Genesis, give you a clue. Genesis chapter 3. God makes 
humankind and he calls him Adam. Paul takes this wonderful creative act of God and says in Romans, if you want to think about God's first creation, you need to think about his new creation in Christ. And he uses that argument in a typological way. Where does Abraham fit into this? Paul does exactly the same thing with Abraham. If you want to think about how your life will be made new, recreated in God all the time, you need to think just as Abraham thought. How did Abraham live? He lived by faith. What happened to Abraham? The choice he made was DV, was to go God's way when he heard God's voice. And Paul uses this typological argument to say, you want to look at the best way to live for God? Sorry, this is crass. You don't want to live your life on dog food. You want to live your life on God food? Then you live Abraham's way. DV. I suppose, doing as you're told. In the reading that Liz read, that was on the screen, that's in the first part of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 12, it's interesting that you don't hear Abraham say anything. He doesn't even sniff to see whether the food's good or not. He's there. God's the only one that says this way. God's the only one that's saying anything. Abraham, almost meekly, please don't say weakly, Abraham does as his God calls him to. So back to where we thought of to start with. What's the decision? God's way or or think it through? If you want to follow the scripture's way, as I would say is the right way, Abraham gives us at least four things to think about. Do remember, and they're all mentioned in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Let me read the verse to you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Quite simply, there in beautiful, brilliant summary, God says, I'm going to bless you. I don't want to bore you with too much of the problems of the day job of a vicar, but bluntly speaking, the biggest lie and problem is the bulk of people in this country and on planet Earth don't think God is good news. They think he's got it in for them. They think they can live life on their own with their friends and do all right for themselves. And it's better to actually leave God out. Even Christian people somehow have to kind of drag their feet to realize in their mind and in their heart that God's on my side. Hey, (laughs) Jesus came for you. (laughs) He really does want to bless you. Particularly helpful if the decision you're having to make might be hard. Actually, this decision to go God's way is the blessed way. And I would say it's the only way that one should go. If there's a decision to be made to think about how we're going to be blessed by God, the other thing that happens in Abraham's life is that Abraham gets to change. Abraham gets to grow. Abraham gets to develop. Abraham gets to become someone more than he used to be. So as life goes by for the Christian, it's not just the years 
or the productivity, there's something else that actually happens. And it's seeded in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. I will make your name great. Now, that isn't to say that somehow we get bigger ourselves or self-aggrandisement happens, but something happens to the name that we own. This is not a motivational talk. This is a Christian church only here because Jesus died and rose again. Only here, if someone's a child or daughter of Jesus, of God, a son or daughter of Father Abraham, then your name is not your Christian name. Your name is the name that's Christ you. And so each day, each decision, it isn't just, will I go God's way? It's, will this help me to be more Christ-like? Will this mean my name, the Jesus within me, will become stronger and more powerful? In Genesis chapter 12, we have Abram. Later on in Genesis 15, God decisively and definitively chains Abram into Abraham. He did it with Simon Peter, who once was Simon, but because of the changes that happen in him, through the spirit in his life, he gets to be called Peter. I mean, this is tough vicar talking to his sons. Come on, we're going to get up this mountain. I'm going to make a man of you, or whatever. In simple terms, God says to Simon, you might feel like this, but I'm going to make something of you, and you're going to become strong and a rock. Abram, I want to bless you. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what will happen at the end of this choice, but something will happen inside of you, and in token of that, I'm going to change your name. I've observed many churches, many Christians, most just stay as empty buildings. And some Christians just stay as Christians in nominal name only, never discovering the Christ who calls them and wants them to change within. You don't have to get a new name. You don't have to go to the lawyer. And any change, of course, that happens within you will be blessed. That's why Cam's introduction to the confession was so brilliant. You don't have to labour it. Everyone knows it's there. Just ask those you live with. The beautiful thing is that when God says, I want to bless you, if you follow my way with these choices, DV, I'm going to make a Christian of you. (laughs) And it's going to show and it's going to look really, really good. And it won't just be you, Abraham, that gets a new name. You won't get to see a whole set of different scenery. And this is a staggering, mind-blowing thing to reflect on. Virtually at the start of the Bible, it's not just you that needs to be blessed. It's not just the church that needs to be blessed. It's the world around. We're talking about bigger picture stuff that can be difficult to get your head around when the presence of the established church is probably about 2% of the nation. But God decrees in this passage that through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Just think for a moment about someone in your family. I'm making the assumption that you're glad that you're a Christian, that you've sent some form of drip or ounce or fountain of God's grace within you. Just think how brilliant it would be 
if a friend or family member tasted that as well. The vision of God through Abraham is that all the families of the earth will be blessed. Back to our decision. It needs to be something that we might well think could benefit or bless others. Vicars tend to get terrified of people who you see them on the other side of the road and they're making a beeline for you. They're going to do you good. (laughs) And they know exactly how your church is going to do the community good. More often than not, it doesn't happen to me. It's more the other way. I feel that person could do something to help out and they see me coming and off they wander. I'm not after do-gooders. God's not after that. He's after people that somehow recognize that they're not on planet Earth just for them. They're here to be blessed by God, to reflect his image around them, and the means by which the world around gets changed is through changed people. And it's wonderful to see that happen. Brilliant to see it happen in the life of this church as your salt and light in your places of work or in the community. It does make a real difference. How are you getting on with this decision-making process? Because Abraham discovers something else. He's not just called to go or called to grow or called to change things around him. He's called actually to get to know God more. Such a beautiful phrase I go back to time and time again. Abraham, I'm your shield and your very great reward. It's just me. It's me's all you need. I mean, that's all that was there in the garden. Adam and Eve and the Lord. They were happy. It was great. Some writers call it paradise. Some people say it's heaven on earth. Something went wrong. Don't have to labour that. None of it was us picking us up by our shoelaces and carrying on. All of it was God saying, I'm calling you, Abraham. You're going to do this. You're going to decide to do that. And do remember, Abraham, when you've had a go at that, I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. And friends, when the earthly life is finished, at the other end, in the garden, in the paradise, in heaven, that's all there is. Back to the decision. You might well be quivering. I wonder if I should go God's way or my way. Leave it to him how others will be blessed but there needs to be something that you could see that others would be blessed through and for through who you are and do it. Abraham went. Isaac, Jacob, the whole of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, the established church, you and I, and what you taste of the grace of the goodness of God and you'll discover more of him day by day. A few moments quiet, for goodness sake, forget the thing about the dog food, won't you? It just just repeat on you, won't do you any good at all. But remember, if you've got a decision to make, 
DV, go the Lord's way. He's calling you to do it. Anything else is disobedience. Anything else, the spiritual equivalent of living your life on dog food, and it's not going to be good. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your deep desire to see our lives blessed. For those that are struggling to see that and bring it to pass in their own lives, we pray that you would surround them with your heavenly encouragement. For those who are enthusiastic and keen to go your way, we pray for the temperance of wisdom and the discernment of others. Where you're calling us, give us grace to follow that we and indeed others might be blessed. For Jesus' sake, amen.